This is The Guardian. Today, a detective story about how a conspiracy theory was born and within weeks came to be believed by more than a quarter of Americans. I first saw it on Facebook. Maybe you did too. Labs in Ukraine, funded by the US government, plotting to unleash biological weapons right on the Russian border. The story goes that capturing these labs is the real reason Russia invaded Ukraine. According to a recent poll, more than a quarter of Americans now think that story is definitely or probably true. But Justin Ling, a Canadian journalist, had already investigated the theory, and he knew it wasn't. And last month, he watched horrified as it picked up steam and spread around the world. I think the moment it breaks through is when Tucker Carlson opens his show. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson Tonight. If you had told us just four days ago that the Biden administration was funding secret biolabs in Ukraine, of all places... We would not have believed you. Yeah, I don't think we're going to put that on TV. No thanks. With this sort of lengthy diatribe where he says, you know, we didn't want to talk about this. We were told this was all disinformation. We were all we were told this was all Russian propaganda. And then he sort of backs into it and says, but it's all true. Does Ukraine have biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has biological research facilities. What? You mean... Secret biolabs? Like the secret biolabs Ukraine definitely doesn't have? Ukraine has those? Yes, it does. I'm sitting there watching this. I think he even throws um, a quote from my piece up on the screen. According to foreign policy, QAnon, whatever that is, was frantically disseminating, quote, false claims of U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine. And you know, it says, oh, the fact checkers were wrong. And it's this incredible moment. It is the moment where I realize that this is not going away. This is going to be a prevalent bit of disinformation. And actually trying to counteract this is going to be incredibly difficult. Justin was right. The claim the US government was secretly funding Ukrainian biological weapons was trumpeted by the Russian government, given airtime in Chinese state media discussed by the UN Security Council and directly addressed by Ukraine's president. And Justin decided to investigate. Where did this crackpot theory come from? How did it get to be so big? And who gained from spreading it? So this biolab story, I think, is the perfect case study for how something can go from uh, misinformation, from a conspiracy theory that bubbles up uh, online into official state disinformation that becomes this sort of really compelling um, you know, international imbruglio to some degree. And as far as you can tell, this claim that reached those heights that spread so widely, where did it all begin? It began with a single tweet. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the anatomy of a conspiracy theory. How QAnon, the Russian government and Fox News helped to propel a lie around the world. 
Justin Ling, during the course of your reporting on this wild story, you said you traced the origin of the Ukrainian Biolabs conspiracy theory back to a single tweet. So let's start there. What was that tweet? In the hours after the invasion of Ukraine began, when airstrikes were pounding the area around Kyiv, um, soldiers were getting ready to cross the border, an American in Virginia tweets out this map where he says, you know, these are Ukraine's biolabs, and these are where airstrikes are hitting. Notice the overlap. He you know, overlaid all of these airstrikes to where all these biolabs exist, which in reality proves nothing. These labs are in cities, and Russia was bombing cities. It's not a great revelation. But he you know, unravels this theory that basically says that the reason Russia's going in is because Russia wants to destroy these biolabs that are developing bioweapons that are targeting the Russian people. Okay, so he's saying there's a secret motive for this invasion. It's not about denazification, as the Russians say, or bringing Ukraine back under Russia's sphere of influence, as many others say. Instead, it's about extinguishing the threat from these Ukrainian biological weapons facilities. How did he reach that conclusion? He cobbles together a bunch of breadcrumbs that had been laid out for him by the Russian government and to some degree the Chinese government for the last 10 years. He even includes it right there in his thread. He includes um, an interview uh, with an advisor to Vladimir Putin from from some years ago that says that uh, the U.S. government is developing bioweapons in the areas around Russia. He includes a Chinese state media suggesting that um, COVID-19 actually kind of came from um, you know, an American-funded program. Program, not from a Chinese lab or not from nature in China at all. So he he is using little bits of disinformation that had been laid out for him for many years, but he puts it together in this very novel way, in this very QAnon way of, I went and did my own research, I dug up these things myself, and I have assembled a theory for you that is a compelling alternative reality to what you're seeing on the news. Aha, so there's some link to QAnon, that extremely strange movement that was big in the Trump years and claimed Trump was working to eradicate Satan-worshipping human traffickers from inside the US government. This is all starting to make sense now. But do we know anything specific about the guy who tweeted this all? Like, who is he? So he goes by the name War Clandestine. Hello, everyone. My name is Jacob. I am the individual behind the clandestine Twitter personality. I'm the one responsible for the thread that went viral pertaining to the U.S. DOD-funded biolabs in Ukraine. I'm the one who originated the U.S. biolabs hashtag. And you've we knew just from some of his videos and his posts and whatnot uh, that his name is Jacob. He lived in Virginia. He was a vet of the Virginia National Guard. Uh, but we didn't know much more about him. He had never been a huge player in the, the QAnon movement, but he has tweeted and posted for many years um, saying, you know, Q was right all along. He had suggested that, you know, this, this deep state human trafficking plot was prevalent. It would be uncovered soon. So all the sort of bog standard stuff from QAnon. Not a big player by any uh, respect, um, but has always sort of percolated around, boasted a few thousand followers. Not exactly a nobody in the world, but not exactly a somebody. I'm a U.S. citizen. I served in the United States Army. I didn't make this shit up. Okay, so Jacob's a pretty middling player in the QAnon universe. What happens after his tweet goes live? It certainly spreads. And in the hours and days that follow, 
it gets retweeted, I think hundreds, maybe even a thousand times. It gets posted to uh, the QAnon board on 8chan. There's a kind of a breathless write-up on Alex Jones's Infowars. But this is the sort of thing you see happen all the time, right? If we had to pay attention to every single conspiracy theory that raises to the level of Infowars, we would never do anything else with our lives. But what happens is Twitter suspends him. All right, so TikTok took down my one and only video that I made, um, giving my Twitter followers a place to find me here on TikTok due to the fact that I'm being banned um, for my discoveries about U.S. biolabs in Ukraine. And when Twitter suspends him, people start taking the screen caps they grabbed of his tweets and sharing them around. People make little videos of them. People start talking about it more on TikTok. This picture shows us locations of U.S. military biolabs located in the Ukraine. Most of these locations also coincide with where the missiles were sent. All right, so you can see on the outside where we're, not we, but where Russia's doing all the bombing. It's where a lot of the biolabs are located, coincidentally enough. Well, this is evidence that the United States is funding biolaboratories in Ukraine. What's up with that? I'll tell you that. And if you believe those U.S.-funded biolabs in Ukraine aren't making biological weapons, please sit all the way down. You start seeing the Biolabs hashtag trending on Twitter and elsewhere. You see him pop up on a whole bunch of other social media pages, and suddenly he has a bit of a cult status to him. Uh, there is a man who now got kicked off Twitter for sharing this, which, again, when I'm trying to understand what's real, like this is there's so much misinformation. I always look for what does the mainstream media talk about? What do the big tech censor? He comes back on Twitter under a new name, gets suspended again. He comes back on Twitter under a new name and somehow doesn't get suspended for, for weeks. But as this sort of faux controversy rages around him, he starts picking up you know, tens and thousands of followers. This idea starts getting you know, hundreds of thousands of shares online. And it, it is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So these biolabs, they sound like they pose a real threat to Russia because some of this stuff that's come out, they've literally created bioweapons against Russian-descended people or people with that background. That's so, wow. And, and how many are there? I, I read something like... 17. Was, what, 14? Seven, is it 17? I don't know. There's like 14. At least 17 15. cities attacked and there's yeah. like 14. I mean, how many? Yeah. Do you know? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's 15 of them. Justin, let's pause here for a second. We've been describing this account of bioweapons being developed in Ukraine as a conspiracy theory and a bit ridiculous. But is it? Is there any truth to this idea at all, even a little? It's funny because a big part of this conspiracy theory rests on the idea that um, journalists like myself or the US government or the Ukrainian government or whoever has denied the existence of these biolabs which is just flagrantly untrue. We, we know they exist, We know the, but you know, we have to understand what we're talking about. What is a biolab? A biolab is a biological laboratory, right? The, the likes of which exist in literally every country in the world. If we didn't have biological research facilities, we wouldn't understand how to fight influenza. We wouldn't understand how to develop, develop vaccines. We wouldn't understand how to develop therapeutics. Every country in the world needs us, particularly in Eastern Europe, which is a hotbed for naturally occurring anthrax, which is a hotbed for, for the plague, which still you know occurs in animals uh, here and there, and, and as well for uh, bird-borne uh, influenzas and other diseases. So for starters, yes, Ukraine has biological research facilities. It has a number of them. Um, so that is absolutely true. Are they funded by the Department of Defense? Some of them, yes. 
Okay, so these labs do exist, they exist all over the place, and they do have dangerous stuff in them, anthrax and influenza and so on, but what they're doing in Ukraine is actually studying these pathogens, it's research. But Justin, why is the US Department of Defense involved in that research? You go back to the 1990s, and as the Soviet Union fell, you had a a bunch of newly independent states who had biolabs, let's keep calling it that, they had biolabs that used to be instrumental in feeding into the Soviet bioweapon program, which we know exists. You know, I've talked to people who have visited some of those labs who were gobsmacked at the level of anthrax, weaponized anthrax that was sitting in these vats that was just ready to get used in some sort of kind of apocalyptic bio-warfare campaign. So when the Department of Defense went into these countries in the 90s, it was with an eye to destroy as much of these pathogens as humanly possible. And by and large, they did that. The Department of Defense, through through an agency called the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, effectively helped eliminate the world's largest ever bioweapons program. Okay, so it's actually an almost exact reversal of the conspiracy theory. The US is funding not a bioweapons program, but the safe destruction of one. But nevertheless, at this point, the claim has gone from a single Twitter post that is then picked up by by sketchy websites like 8chan and Alex Jones' Infowars website and has rebounded back onto Twitter and TikTok. Where does it go next? You're seeing this momentum start to pick up a little bit. And then you see this this effort by the Kremlin to sort of reach in and, and give it a boost. You see an interview done with the Russian embassy in Sarajevo saying, we believe that the U.S. is developing bioweapons to target ethnic Russians. You see Sputnik News suggest that the U.S. government is trying to delete documents proving the existence of these bio uh, labs. You see former President Dmitry Medvedev do an interview where he starts talking about bio labs. And, and, you know, there's this incredible moment where Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov is doing this long press conference. And in response to a question, almost offhandedly, he sort of says, yes, well, we've known the U.S. government has been developing offensive bioweapons in Ukraine for quite some time. Putin said that the threat is now on our border, at our border. It has arrived. It's remarkable. It seems to be this wink and a nod to this you know, American-originated conspiracy theory, and you start to see it go to the stratosphere. You start seeing these press conferences done by the Russian Ministry of Defense with these elaborate graphics on screen saying that the U.S. government is trying to infect birds with coronaviruses and send them over Russia to to eliminate the population. Explaining the reason for the invasion for the first time ever, really, and it is a complete cribbing of what war clandestine was alleging in the hours after the war began. I mean, that is just extraordinary to me, that this tweet that was probably dashed off by this guy Jacob on an evening when he was bored ends up getting picked up by the Kremlin, becomes central to Russia's information war in its invasion of Ukraine. That's a pretty bizarre turn of events, isn't it? Yes and no. I mean... Listen, the Russian government puts out a lot of nonsense, right? You know, they've been doing this for years. They 
don't have a high hit rate for their disinformation. We like to think of Russia as being incredibly good at this stuff, but the simple reality is they try a lot of nonsense and very little of it works. Russia is incredibly bad at developing narratives that will actually convince Americans of anything. Um, what they are much better at is identifying narratives that already exist and pumping them up. So they recognize when they have a good thing going and they know how to really make use of it. They know what's sort of taking off and they know what pressure points to push that's going to help them weaken support for their adversary in America. And that's fundamentally what this is about. This is not about convincing every single American that this war is about biolabs because they're never going to do it. This is about really selling the idea that there's another explanation out there and convincing 10, 15, 20% of America that there's an alternate explanation. If they can do that, then they can start flipping members of Congress, they can start flipping media networks, and they can start a debate about whether or not supporting Ukraine is the appropriate thing to do. And Justin, once Russian officials start to promote this claim directly, that obviously draws a reaction from American politicians. How do they respond? That's when Senator Marco Rubio um, goes before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and asks Under Secretary of State Victoria Newland, "You know, does Ukraine have bioweapons? Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons?" And Newland says, uh, "Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities." which, in fact, we are now quite concerned. Uh, Ukraine has biological research facilities. And she says we're worried that they could fall into the hands of the invading Russians or that the Russians could launch an airstrike or shell those facilities and that it could lead to a biological agent getting out, which is a very you know, prescient concern. But nevertheless, even though that answer does not establish at all anything about this conspiracy theory, in fact, it takes it out of the knees you see a bunch of these actors start doing a little celebratory dance, saying she just proved it. She just confirmed it. They accidentally let all this information slip. So it's it's kind of amazing and almost incredulous that Victoria Nuland, the Deputy Secretary of State, is coming out and admitting this publicly. I mean, it's, it's... You immediately see this response from folks like Steve Bannon, who have been promoting any manner of conspiracy theory about biological research for years. What is what it what is this old saying? The first casualty of war is the truth. And Churchill's rejoinder to that was during war, truth is so precious. It has to be guarded by a bodyguard of lies, surrounded by a bodyguard of lies. That's Victoria Newland. She tippy toeing in front of the Senate. That's on her tippy toes right there. Right. And that's when you see Tucker Carlson open his show saying, well, they told us it was all Russian disinformation, but in fact, they just told us it's all true. We now know that dangerous biological agents, whether you call them weapons or not, is completely irrelevant because they can be used as weapons. Is a gun a weapon? Not when you're quail hunting. When you're in a gunfight, it is. As soon as Tucker starts talking about it, it becomes sort of acceptable for a wide swath of the American conservative movement, right? It's after Tucker talks about it that you see Marjorie Taylor Greene, the deeply conspiratorial and formally you know, linked to QAnon congresswoman who gets up in uh, on the House floor and actually introduces a bill to ban f U.S. funding of biolabs abroad. Because no government should be creating bioweapons. That's evil and wrong. Now, the name of this bill is the Stopping the Spread of Taxpayer-Funded Bioweapon Act. A ludicrous absurd idea 
but it is wholesale what folks like you know, war clandestine and the Russian embassy has, have been saying for now weeks at this point. Justin, I'm trying to get my head around what people's motives are here. You've described that the people who originally made this claim go big on social media might have felt like they were having a good time with it. You know, they were figuring out something nobody wanted them to know. They were on the trail of this fantastic mystery. And the Russian government, obviously, they're just trying to find something they can use against the US. But what I'm confused about is Fox News. What do they gain by amplifying something that is so clearly untrue and something that their own journalists could prove was untrue if they wanted to? And they have. And indeed, there have been Fox News journalists who have gone on the air to deliver really impassioned explanations for why this is all nonsense and who look genuinely baffled by how it's on their own network. Does Tucker Carlson believe any of this? Probably not. I don't I don't know what Tucker Carlson believes. But he definitely knows how well this resonates. And I guarantee you, he got a lot of eyeballs on that Biolab segment because he did it again the next night and he did it again two nights later. I feel like the journey of this claim probably reached its peak when the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, in the middle of fighting for his country's existence, used one of his nightly speeches to actually deny that his country was developing biological weapons. So this claim had cut through to such an extent that Zelensky felt like it was a matter of national security to deny it. For something that started as a crazy tweet, that's both extraordinary, but also really sad. Uh, Absolutely. I had an interview with the former Minister of Health for Ukraine, Ulana Suprin, and her partner, Mirko Suprin, who runs an anti-disinformation agency. And they're kind of the in many ways, a human face for the consequences of this. Um, Ulana has been targeted uh, by the Russian government itself for her supposed role in this biolabs um, con- you know, conspiracy. And she has been accused of, of being descendant of Nazis, of being this American who came in to help develop Ukraine's bioweapons program. Right. And she has been targeted relentlessly. And that has a real consequence. You know, I spoke to them about a week ago. And Marco said to me, you know, we saw the Russian foreign affairs ministry tweet out our pictures. And we had to sit there and start wondering, are we going to be strung up in, in, in Maidan Square and with the, as Nazis? You know, they had to really start worrying about, are we going to be the target of this? Are we going to be the scapegoat of this program? So when Zelensky kind of addresses this head on, It's because this is not an academic thing for them. This is not a fun political debate for them. This is really a question of can they rally support for their cause? Can they um, counteract a narrative that is being used to denigrate not only their government, but their entire country? And I, I think we shouldn't take this lightly. We should take this just as seriously as Vladimir Zelensky does. Coming up. If this disinformation machine can turn lies into the truth, could it do the opposite and muddy the truth around a real biological attack? (laughs) 
Hello, Guardian columnist Jonathan Friedland here. I now have my own US politics podcast, which is, helpfully, called Politics Weekly America. So if you want to hear my interviews with politicians like Hillary Clinton or expert analysis from Guardian journalists and the latest news from Washington, D.C. and beyond, you should subscribe. To do that, just type Politics Weekly America into Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be there every Friday. Justin, it seems like at the very centre of all this, the thing that's the fuel that allows these sorts of claims to spread is this extreme distrust of the US government and of many governments. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people are so willing and eager to believe these somewhat outlandish things about our governments? I mean, a ton of it's really rational. You know, it, it's funny because Russia does often know exactly where to poke, you know, what divisions they ought to exploit. I mean, the U.S. government lied to the world in 2003 when it said that Saddam Hussein had an offensive chemical weapons program. And the parallels should be lost on nobody. That's kind of exactly what's happening right here. But this, you know, the, the, the lesson to take from that is not that the U.S. government always lies and every other government always tells the truth. The lesson to take from that is that we should be very skeptical of governments that try to justify offensive wars. I think we should continue being skeptical of Washington and every other government, but we should also listen to the people who are in Ukraine, who worked in these labs. We should listen to independent third parties that have reviewed the Ukrainian biosafety and biosecurity program, which say there's zero evidence for bioweapons or for, for dual-use research. We should listen to those who say Russia does probably have a bioweapons program and that the reasons for this war are, are fundamentally less altruistic than the Kremlin is saying. You know, skepticism is important, but it can't be targeted at only one government. It has to be a skepticism of those who make the case for violence. And Justin, you've laid out how the Russian government was able to take this crazy tweet, blow it up to the point where it was being discussed by American politicians, by major American networks, had to actually be addressed by the Ukrainian president. Like, they're able to tap into this alternative system of information, and they can basically push out any claim and make even a small proportion of people out in the world believe it, no matter how false it is. And what worries me is that if that system can be used to create a threat where there isn't one, can't it also be used to cover up the use of biological weapons, to to muddy the waters and help governments get away with using them? Well, that's exactly it. And I mean, let's be real. The only country that has proven itself incredibly willing to use a broad range of chemical and biological weapons has been Russia. You know, they've used nerve agents against dissidents in countries around the world. You know, they've they've supported Bashar al-Assad's use of chemical weapons in Syria. And I think we should be incredibly worried about what they're planning next. When I was speaking to Elena Supran, the former Minister of Health, she was recounting how she was on the job in 2014 when Russia moved into Donetsk. There's actually two of these you know, bio labs in Donetsk that these conspiracy theorists you know, never talk about. But these two labs were doing you know, relatively basic um, zoological and infectious disease research. And staff there made a real effort to destroy samples and to secure the facility before they fled. But what Supran told me was that they were genuinely worried 
that when Russia got into those labs, they would seize samples and that they were going to release those samples into uh, either somewhere in Ukraine or Russia or elsewhere and blame it on Ukraine, blame it on bad actors in Kiev. And if that happens, well, all bets are off. Justin, finally, I'm really glad you've done all this work, but I'm slightly horrified by the fact that you had to spend many, many, many hours getting to the bottom of this and that we had to take half an hour now to figure out precisely how it was nonsense. But for Jacob, sending that tweet was probably the sum of about 10 seconds of thought. Like, this idea that we're hostage to one person's half-baked tweets being picked up and weaponized by foreign governments... It's a scary world out there that you're painting. Well, and he has started his own little career off this. He started a Substack. He has his own Telegram page with some 60,000 followers. He's oh, making fantastic. money off this. Fantastic. Yeah. And he has become a little conspiracy theory celebrity. And the, you can make a career off this. And at a certain point, you don't even have to keep believing it. This is a incredibly lucrative career for some people. So I'm not surprised by this. But you asked me kind of, I think you kind of implied that there's some there's some madness that goes behind why I sit and read Russian disinformation or American or QAnon <laughs> uh, conspiracy theories all day. But I think we can learn a lot from why we believe these things. I don't think it's enough to sit around and say, fact check, false. You know, this is not true. Wrong. I think we have to understand where these things come from and why we choose to believe them. And I think we have a lot of lessons to learn from this. Justin, I, I read you right. I'm very glad that you do it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Justin Ling, a Canadian investigative journalist. Thanks so much to him. You can read his piece tracing the origins of this conspiracy theory at theguardian.com. He's also made a short documentary for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation's nightly newscast, The National. It aired on Sunday and you can find it on their website. And make sure you look out for Politics Weekly UK out tomorrow for the latest on the fallout from the Met's decision to fine Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak for breaking COVID laws during the lockdown. Guardian columnist John Harris will break down how the news has been received and what the return of Partygate to the headlines might mean for the government. That's Politics Weekly UK at every Thursday. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Josh Kelly. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Mythley Rao. Back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.